podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hello, it's me, Thomas Enders. Have you listened to my new podcast yet? Modern Talking, Just Different. Now everywhere where you find your podcasts. And it's really true. You won't get closer to me anywhere else recorded in my living room. I'm looking forward to meeting you now in your favorite podcast app, Modern Talking, Just Different. We have a date. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com Peacock streaming the world's biggest sporting events, exclusive originals, and the latest movies. This February, we've got Super Bowl 56 and the 2022 Winter Olympics. Peacock original Bel Air from executive producer Will Smith and Westbrook Studios. Damn! Plus tons of new movies every week, including Marry Me, starring Jennifer Lopez and Owen Wilson. In theaters and streaming only on Peacock, Valentine's Day. With all this and so much more to love, sign up now at PeacockTV.com. Mirror mine, mirror mine, you twist and turn my mind until I don't know who I am. Mirror mine. Welcome to another episode of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. I'm here with Matt. Hi, Pete. I'm here with Alfred. Hello. Oh, and we're uh, we're here to discuss a very, very disappointing Manchester United result. Tinged in a weird, serious, glorious failure. Not even a sarcastic one. Like a, or is there such thing as a non-sarcastic, glorious failure? I'm not sure. I know that I'm feeling pretty rough this morning uh, after two days because um, we started drinking at 12 and then didn't finish until 3 a.m. Alfred, how do you feel? Really rough. But uh, Matt, you, you're looking pretty smug over there because you ducked out early. I ducked out early. So, uh, How many beers did you have? None. had no beers. You didn't even have, but you bought one. I bought one when, when, I, thought, when I thought we were going to get back into it and I couldn't deal with the tenseness of the game without alcohol. And then uh, very swiftly, Man United scored a third and I realised uh, it wasn't worth it. Only drink when you're winning. <laughs> Only drink when I'm winning, yeah. Yeah, so I had your beer. And then it all went down the hill from, from yeah, there. You look, you're looking a bit, uh, looking a little bit peaky this yeah. morning. A lot of apologies yesterday. A lot of apologies yesterday. So um, we do have a lot to crack on with uh, today. But before we crack on with that, what, what's, what's up next, Alfred? My favourite part of the show. Can you believe it? It is shirt number 34. Matt is ready in the corner. Oh, I am ready. I am ready. What a wonderful shirt the 34 has been. It is uh, currently held by uh, a real favourite of the pod, Francis Coquelin. Whose favourite is he? No, I was being sarcastic. Everyone hates him now. We liked him for a bit, didn't we? When he yeah. came back from Charlton, he was seen as the saviour, our snarling pit bull in the centre of the field. Uh, but really, he's actually just quite a limited player and Charlton was probably around the right level for him. We just wanted to see someone tearing about the pitch, didn't we? And then it happened, and then we're like, oh, no, you need other things. Do you remember? It was, uh, we were, we'd wanted and, and needed a defensive midfielder for about eight years, 
And for some reason, it was just like a running joke that Wenger wouldn't give us one. Like that far show sketch. Then, then he finally gave us a really shit one, and it massively improved our team because that's how desperate we were for a defensive midfielder. Uh, what, who have but, we been through? Alex Song. He really disappointed, didn't he? Denilson. Yeah. Oh, the Denilson years. Oof. They were horrible. Anyway, sorry. So uh, Francis Cochrane, current holder of the number thirty-four, and that really sets the scene. Uh, the second uh, most recent. Kyle Bartley, who there was a lot of promise around him. I think he was the Bolton s- guy. He came from Bolton. Uh, he went on loan at Bolton. He, I think, yeah. Where does he play now? Celtic. Was Cel- he? I don't know. I don't know. Says it all. Uh, another fan favorite. Leeds. Leeds. He went to Leeds. Oh, he did. And yeah. then he teamed up with another old centre back uh, from Arsenal. Anyway, carry on. Uh, the next player, Kieran Gibbs, wore the uh, thirty-four shirt for a while. Ugh. That was when he was a promising. Young left back. I think they even had him. What, on for eight years? Yeah, it was a long time ago. Yeah, uh, they had. I think they even. It was around this time they had him on the outside of the Emirates, I believe, as the British core. Uh, and now he's at West Brom, and Tony Pulis is under pressure, talking about getting fired. I thought he'd been Don't fired. Don't say I didn't warn everybody. What happens when you sign Kieran Gibbs? <coughs> he has been fired. Pardew is now in charge there. <laughs> oh, he's actually been fired. <laughs> no. Do not come. <laughs> what do the not. Fuck? Wow. If I if I was a little bit more egotistical, I would probably delete that section out, but we're just going to roll with it. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, luckily this is not the West Brom opinion. No, otherwise. Yeah, oh, I would have egg on my face. Otherwise we'd be a bunch of uh, racist Midland wankers. Uh... <laughs> Might have to delete that out. <laughs> uh, anyway, Matthew Connolly, the next one moving swiftly on. Uh, still moving swiftly on. Richard Wright, remember him? Richard Wright, the, uh, the, that was the Jordan the, Pickford of the 2000s. Yeah, that was the summer we signed. We signed him, Franny Jeffers, Sol Campbell, and went and uh, won the league the next year. It was also the summer that Arsene decided that he didn't want to invest in British players. Uh, he you got can't blame him with really Richard bad. Wright and Franny Jeffers hanging around like a bad smell. Yeah. Uh, Tommy Black makes another appearance. <laughs> uh, and it's Is not that op- the guy from uh, Peaky Blinders? It's, it, it's not often you can say Tommy Black makes another appearance. He made probably one appearance for Arsenal. So uh, he's, he's already made two appearances on the Arsenal opinion. Better, fight. Than, yeah. better than his club career. We should get him on. Yeah. Get him on the Tommy show. Tommy Black, yeah. Um, and then finally, Jason Crow. <laughs> remember him? Yeah, I, I remember the name. I don't remember him no. specifically. I think a lot of people feel that way. Anyway, that's shirt number 34. So a lot of excitement in the build-up to Manchester United. I think Arsene Wenger... Dropped his first ever real selection mind game. Well, at least I can't remember him lying about a player being fit for uh, over the last 10 years. And we were all pretty excited about that, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, seeing, uh, seeing Lacazette uh, was a big boost because he just offers us so much more speed and mobility. And the thought of uh, Giroud lumbering around up front or even um, Danny Welbeck, who you know does a, does a lot apart from... Uh, score goals so um, you know seeing Lacazette in the lineup immediately gave everyone a boost I think and then uh, like so often happens with Arsenal it didn't take long to realize what was going to happen that game Uh, within 11 minutes two goals down two terrible individual errors uh, from two players in excellent form and then it was it was back foot from there what did you think about that Alfred? I think it was kind of so telling that 
<clears throat> we we actually had our best eleven out, which was really surprised me. And there was no doubt after eleven minutes that it was the same old Arsenal playing, and that those two individual errors was the difference between us and, and Man United. They didn't do any individual errors. In fact, they they um, they did the exact opposite. And I, I don't know. It was it was a weird game because I actually carried on day drinking through the rest of the day because I had so much energy after that game and it was amazing to see um, how we fought and how hard we fought, which is not something you necessarily see all the time. But then again, we lost to Mourinho again against a top four side again. And there, you know, we were sitting the last pod, you know, none of us thought we were up for the league, but we were talking about it because of our, our run of form. And uh, we had our dreams uh, shattered yet again. I think your point about playing our uh, best team is a good one because we absolutely should have been play- I think he got this team selection absolutely spot on for that game. But why he was playing the first team for the third time in six days is another question because I didn't see any of the other top teams not do any rotation for all three games. And, you know, you just wonder whether fatigue, even if it's just mental fatigue, uh, played a part in the two individual errors that led to uh, Koscielny, especially just you know, giving the ball away so carelessly. And you wonder whether, you know, we know that we need to manage Lauren Koscielny's fitness. Did he need to play against Huddersfield on the Wednesday? Could he have had a, a little bit extra break just to be really revved up and recharged, ready for Manchester United? I think it's an, I think it's an interesting point uh, to make, especially when you draw parallels to what happened this time last season uh, around like, pretty much maybe a couple of weeks earlier um but we played city and everton and we had a, a bunch of games in the champions league and um at the weekends where we could have rotated players um and we didn't and then we didn't have any energy and, and we lost um unconvincingly against both of those sides but i think it's difficult to talk about fatigue when we so utterly dominated you know i i don't know i don't know whether uh, an error in the first it were in the first 10 minutes of a game, two errors can be apportioned um, to, yeah. to mental fatigue. Um, but but I, do, I do get the point. But I also know that you were trying to take that somewhere else. What's your, what, what were you most upset about from a selection perspective in midfield? What were you talking about on the way in? No, I was talking about how, I mean, <laughs> I actually think that Wenger got it absolutely spot on because as soon as, we, as, soon as Mustafi went off embarrassed, uh, he switched, did a pretty brave uh, selection where he didn't just switch him out like for like, he switched to a back four, he brought Iwobi on. And to be honest, Iwobi, I thought, had a pretty good game. And this formation looked good. We didn't look that challenged by it. And um, and I thought then got that absolutely spot on. So he made a brave selection move and it sort of worked. I know we didn't win the game, but it, but it did work. Uh, the only question I was talking about was, and we can come on to that maybe later, but when the substitutions came on, one, I always hate it when you chuck on like four strikers because it's like all you can then do, you can't control the game anymore. All you can do is lump the ball up to them. So uh, I would have rather had a bit of uh, Jack Wilshere 
who's got the ability to actually go past a player and slide balls in uh, between defenders because uh, I felt that was what was missing when we were up against uh, back 10, especially after uh, Pogba had been sent off. But <clears throat> I don't agree because, yes, it was good to switch to a back four, but why Iwobi came on puzzled me. He, he, he has like two assists and two goals in two seasons. He is not the attacking threat um, that... Arsenal believes he is. If we would have put Welbeck on instead of Iwobi, or if we would have put Wilshere on, as you said, instead of Iwobi, I think we would have changed the picture, and I think we would have gotten that goal that we wanted. Because, I mean, Iwobi, it was, I mean, it was so telling when he shot that um, goal, um, shot that ball so far over the goal that he was. You could see he was terrified. He's terrified in those games, and he does not know how to finish. He's just happy that he manages to finish. He never actually goes for goal. He just goes somewhere close to goal. It's, it's, it's embarrassing, and I, I really wonder when he will be found out. And people afterwards, like, well, we had such an amazing game. It's I, I really don't understand what it was they saw that I missed. I don't think he had an amazing game, but I think he had a very good game. He should have and had think- an amazing game because he was picked over Welbeck and quite a few other players who, who could have had an amazing game. Well, I think his strength is in transition and... Uh, he was part of the reason why we were able to build periods of intense pressure. Uh, it's just disappointing because you know United are very, very good at sucking up that type of pressure, and uh, it just it just wasn't meant to be. Look, on another day, I don't think you can have any real faults with our offensive display. I know people will go, "We should have been more efficient because we only scored one goal." I have never seen a goalkeeping display like that. I just haven't seen one. Uh, and so what we should have done is kept it tight at the back. And even if we had one of those goalkeeping displays, been able to get away with a one or draw. So before we get onto the subject of like individual greatness, um, we were talking on the way. I, I wrote this morning that uh, the two individual errors came from players that you wouldn't normally to expect to make those errors. But we were talking... Koscielny has this weird halo of greatness that surrounds him. And he's obviously a fantastic defender and he's stuck out for a long time with us when perhaps he could have gone to other clubs. But he does like making mistakes in big games. Um, so it's, it's kind of like that. Like what we saw there is, isn't actually too unfamiliar. Yeah, I think he's a very, very, very good player, but he's not a great player. Uh and he sort of reminds, for me, he's sort of the, like the, the sort of Gary Cahill level in that he's really, really good. And normally you're never going to have any problem. But if you're going to win the league, you need a player next to him who's even better than him. And I think uh, he's just capable of making mistakes. And, um, and I know it's a, it's a position where that's always, you're, that's always liable to happen. But, you know, it's increasingly happening more and more. And, you know... He was responsible 100% for the first and then he got completely mugged off by Pogba for the third. And there used to be that, you know, he never used, he hadn't lost a one-on-one duel a couple of years back for a while. But he's now, he's unfortunately age is catching up with him and he loses more and more of those, of those duels. You can see he, 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 got, he gets booked a bit more than he used to. Uh, and, you know, I think he's still a really good player, but he is no longer like this first name on the team sheet, is he the best in the league, all that sort of stuff. I don't, I don't think he's at that level. Yeah, and I think uh, 
I think we're doing a bad job backfilling his position. We, we, and we, to be honest, we have done um, with Murtasaka as well. Like I'm hoping that this new scout that we've got is immediately identifying our centre-backs. Actually, our, like our back line, like Montreal is no spring chicken. Uh, Murtasaka is retiring at the end of the season. Koscielny is only going to get more injury-prone and mistake-prone. Like I hope that there is a, a plan uh, in place to, to replace him um, at the end of the season with somebody young and talented who um, maybe has a better concentration in big games. So I guess if we uh, want to crack into like a, a, some of the positives that came out of the game, um, and that was definitely our possession uh, under our free-flowing attack in football, which was very exciting at one point. And I think Jody Morris, of all people, came out after the game uh, talking about the, the game plan from Jose. And he basically said no, no team has a game plan of conceding 33 shots on goal and um, ceding 71% possession. And I totally agree with him. That's why when I talk about um, glorious failure, it, it kind of was the closest to being glorious because I just think it was a lot of bad luck uh, that happened on the day. Um, I, I don't like it, it. It wasn't. We weren't clinical because we didn't score, but we were dealing with, like you said earlier in the show, one of the greatest goalkeeping performances that that ever has been at the Emirates. Um, United outside of Paul Pogba were were pretty disappointing, um, and we just, yeah, I, I, it's it's almost inexplicable how we didn't come out of that. Like any other day, we could have scored four goals. We're more than capable of scoring four goals uh, with that amount of good possession. Um, so it's really difficult to to work out on a sort of with a micro viewpoint of just one game. Like, like, where you go from that? Like, what do you, what, what, what do you look back on? Like, what's the critique? What does Wenger tell the players? I think you just have to look at that as if you, in the same way that you would if you had a bad refereeing performance, and uh, and you know you sort of been robbed a little bit, and you've just got to go. If we keep on playing like that, it will even out by the end of the season. Um, I'm not disappointed with it. Actually, gives me a lot of hope that game because that attacking display was one of the would, was was something was a display that will easily enable us to get top four and hopefully better than fourth. Uh, although I wouldn't be stupid enough to predict that we're going to challenge for the league title because I don't think we're going to be anywhere near that. But you know, it was a hugely positive display. Um, I was pretty proud of the way Arsenal played. Um, I mean, it's really stupid to go two goals down so early, but at least the game just didn't peter out into. Uh, you know, uh, which is sort of a bore 2-0 defeat. You know, we, we gave it everything we could. Um, we played with uh, real character uh, in an identifiable style that you would say is the way that Arsenal play, which is something that we've, a criticism we've levelled at uh, the current team. We said, what is their identity? How do they play? What's the style of play? Do we even play attractive football anymore? Well, I thought the, there was a real identity to the way we played and it was all about um, uh, sh- technical, uh, short passing, uh, pass and move, triangles, lots of pace, lots of running uh, and, and sort of gambling a bit. You know, we, we threw everything forward and, um, and I think that was the right way, to do, right, right way to go and unfortunately we just got picked off and once that third goal went in, it was, it was game over. 
Alfred, is there any glory in a failure like that? Absolutely. I mean, you. <laughs> it's it's kind of um, it's kind of interesting that that when, that I'm taking um, joy from a from a defeat, but this is the the most Arsenal performance I've seen this season in a lot of different ways. Just like Matt says, and I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I thought it was amazing. I screamed, I shouted, I at one point I almost tipped over the table in the pub. Uh, I think I went for four beers uh, in in the first half. It was incredible. No, so so I I love that performance and, and that is a glorious failure. It's just so ironic that it's against Mourinho. And when you saw the stats before the game, you were like, how does he do that? Like there's been this meme about how bad Mourinho is against the top six or, or something in the Premier League, but you just... You kind of like it. It did look familiar. All of this. Uh, it was also, I think, it was it was an amazing thing about seeing Pogba uh, because I really think that he was and made the difference. And it's been a, amazing to see Man U without Pogba when he was injured, and it's amazing to see him back. And it's incredible that he's now going to be out for the Man City game. But what a player he is! Incredible, Pete. Before we dive into Pogba, you had a point which. Is a good uh, addition to what Alfred was saying around, uh, was it Jeremy Wilson said, if you want to know why Arsenal haven't won the league? Yeah, it, if you if you want to understand why Arsenal haven't won the league in the last, um, well, it'll be 14 years by the time this season's out. Um, look at that first 11 minutes. 15 years. Uh, 15 years, yeah, sorry, 15 years. Um Look at that first four minutes. No, no it's 14. <laughs> I don't know. It's been a bloody long yeah, time. It's, yeah, it's, it's been a long time. But look at that first 11 minutes and, and that will tell you all you need. And this is, is my my point about the game. And I, 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 wrote, I wrote out my sort of match day blog uh, last night. And I started by being, look, any fan that says that that was anything outside a travesty you know, doesn't, doesn't understand what they were they were looking at. And I think... Uh, you, we're all definitely right there. There was a uh, like it was a great game. It, it was a it was a, f- a fluke that we didn't win uh, for once. And I don't think you can say that um, about Arsenal against top sides over the last ten years. Like we utterly, utterly deserved that. Wasn't possession for the sake of possession. That was possession with intent, uh, purpose, and like hitting the target. But when when you step back from it and look at the our performance against top teams holistically. It's just a better shade of bad, isn't it? And I think that that's very true. That's the that's the disappointing thing about it. Like you can you, you can cut and paste this game however you want, but ultimately we're just not good enough. And you have to. There's there's only one man responsible for that. One man consistently responsible for that. And like even if you look at the City game, which is the like Spurs have not been good this season, but they're still a, a good team. But Outside of that, we've lost to uh, Liverpool, um, who are looking promising at the moment. Uh, it, the game was buried at City within uh, 18 minutes. Uh, and, and again, against United, we, ju- we just dominated within the, 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 the first 11 minutes and it's game over. Like, that's not good. That's not what top teams do. You can't, you can't look back on a season and say we were just unlucky. And you can't say we improved because we played slightly better and still lost. I mean, it, it is fascinating to see all those debates afterwards because if you run straight out in traffic in a highway, it doesn't matter how you get hit by a car or which car that hits you, how hard or where, you ran out in traffic. 
and you got hit by a fucking car. It, it's remarkable how often Arsenal fans sit, sit and discuss, well, he avoided the first car, but got hit by the second, or it wasn't actually that hard, or the driver should have seen him coming. Like, we keep running out into traffic, and it's amazing to debate uh, what happens when you're out there amongst the cars. <clears throat> and I think there's a sense of, I mean, one of the things immediately after conceding uh, so early, I think what you then have to do, even if you're at home, is not concede a second goal. Like it's like there's two sort of tenets of winning big games. It's if you concede one, get batten down the hatches and don't concede a second. And if you're in a got an away game, spend the first 20 minutes trying to get a, a foothold in the game and shutting the fans up. And we never adhere to either of those principles. We never go to an away game and go, our only objective for the first 25 minutes is to keep it tight and, and shut the fans up. And we never, ever, whenever we go a goal behind at the Emirates, it's like we go kamikaze. It's like we're like, oh, shit. We know the fans will be on our back in about 30 seconds, so we've got to score one within three minutes. And you don't have to do that. There was a moment when we could have put our foot on the ball, established some, some possession, uh, built carefully not sort of left ourselves wide open and not left ourselves in the types of position where, uh, uh, you know, we can concede a second. I mean, albeit the second one was not born out of any Manchester United possession. It was just born out of a terrible error. And I, th- I think that that's a, a really important point. Again, uh, there's, there's this resignation that we were chasing the game. So we were open to the counterattack. Like, you don't have to you don't have to go kamikaze you can show patience uh and be smart about your build up play but it, you you knew that we were going to concede like it, th- th- there was a high chance that we were going to concede that third goal like can't we can't we build play can't we play in a patient manner do we have to expose ourselves do do all teams expose themselves well, we in that had, way chasing we the had the ultimate warning with the shot that bounced and hit the crossbar moments before they got the third and that should have been the moment the way he said, okay, we got off. We were really, really lucky there. Let's just make sure that we don't concede a third and kill this game. Because if we apply some pressure, we're back in this. And if we got it to two all, there was only one team that was going to win that game. Yeah, and I think part of it, part of this uh, problem that Wenger has is he talks about, uh, well, he talks, he has a bit of a disdain for the captaincy armband. He doesn't really think it's that important. Uh, and, and it shows because. What, shouldn't your senior players be stepping up and saying, "Guys, like, calm down. Like, let's 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 not go crazy. Let's make sure that we're still protecting the back four. It's like our, our players don't have the collective intelligence to to deal with something like that. Like, we don't really have leaders on the pitch anywhere. Jacka certainly didn't fill uh, that role, uh, and then then you you're you're struggling to find out where else. Like Aaron Ramsey kind of leads by example but there's not a lot of communication that goes on there and to consistently have the same failings with like the same groups of players time and time again I mean it's obviously a managerial issue but you do wonder if the players could just agree between themselves before the game what happens when you go a goal down or what you should do when you're chasing a lead like is there scenario planning do we do that I'm not sure so when it when it came down to it uh, Two two big reasons that we lost. Um, we lost to one of the the most expensive goalkeepers of all time, who was masterful. I've never seen uh, like reactions so quick in such a big game uh, under such a barrage of pressure. And then there's Paul Pogba, 
who uh, is a £90 million player and absolutely proved his worth with uh, like one of the most dominant physical performances I've seen from a player, but also one of the most dominant performances from an intelligence perspective like the guy like he, he said that his ambition is to be the world's first complete player uh, and at his age uh, with performances like that you, you it's not far away like he is one he's he's such an exciting player um, and ultimately they did that on 29% possession and when you look at some of the problems that Arsenal have had like our star player who wants to leave to go to Manchester City gave the ball away 34 times which is staggering by any stretch. He doesn't give a fuck. And I, I, and I think when you start adding up those minor problems throughout a team, you get a, you get a, a, a bigger one. And I, I, what did you guys think about the, our big game players in that game? I mean, being frustrated with Sanchez giving away the ball is like being frustrated with a duck going into the water. That's what he does in his, his style of play. And he's also a very predictable player. He does pretty much the same move every time. He comes from the left, he goes towards the box, and he cuts into the right. And two seasons ago, and and one season ago, like that's how he scored a lot of his goals. And I think he's just been found out. If you want to deal with Sanchez, you close him down when he gets to the box, and he attracts like two players every time, and and they manage to shut him down. So he's pretty much the most predictable player we have I think and that's why we're all so excited about Lacazette because he offers a couple of runs every game that we haven't seen in a while from any of our attacking players and I think that really excites Ursula and is picking out some of, of that great performances we've seen from Ursula is because he actually has a new player to uh, to try to find out with his uh, his passing it was also fascinating like when we talk about Pogba how he every time he had the ball he sucked up like three players it's almost like we didn't have a midfield every time that Pogba got the ball it was fantastic to see it was also in the I think it was the second goal where you saw five of our players just all rushed towards uh, Pogba and left Valencia completely open it's he really has that air of um of a, of a great player. He reminds me of like Zidane uh, when I watched him and I think it was in 98. It was one of the first time I had like the cognitive ability to understand what made a great player and every time he had the ball like he just sucked up the whole midfield of the of the opposite team. It was incredible to see and it's going to be amazing to follow Pogba. Um, Matt, you're looking like you're disagreeing with me or you might just be... No, I think Pogba's amazing uh, and I think he's only going to get better and it makes me sad that Arsenal don't have a player like that who can, uh, you know, run the team, essentially. And I think that's what Mourinho knew. He's, he's, he knew that although it was a hell of a lot of money and a lot of pressure to put on a guy, uh, if you want to win big things, you need a player at the centre of your team, whether they play, wherever they play, but someone with big personality, uh, with a lot of physical strength, with unerring self-confidence, and that's Paul Pogba. And, you know, you look at Xhaka and Ramsey, and they, they really do sort of shrink in comparison. So, um, yeah, I think he made a, he made a huge difference. Uh, on the Sanchez piece, I think, I don't think he, I think he's a brilliant player. And I think... Uh, 34 I'm, times. Gave the ball away 34 times. That's yeah. not that 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 goes beyond. Ah, oh, he's, he's just ambitious. That he's just playing for himself. He doesn't give a fuck. But I also think that nearly every dangerous moment we had in the game was down to him, uh, or had him involved in some way. I think he has got such a 
aura around him that uh, Manchester, you know, you talk about character and that we were just talking about the way Pogba sucks up players towards him and creates space for others. Sanchez has exactly the same effect. Whatever you may think of his attitude or where he is at the moment, when he is on the pitch, he occupies a lot of Manchester United defenders. They worry. They see him. If you ask Manchester United, they go, who's the danger guy at Arsenal? You know what they say? They say, they wouldn't say Lacazette or... You don't uh, think... I think they say Alexis Sanchez is the main guy. He's the guy who, if you don't watch him for a second, he will score because he's got a proven track record of doing exactly that. Yeah, but he's, he's what, scored five goals this season. That's a really poor return for your best player. Like, t- like li- turning over play literally every two minutes. Like, how can you build anything off the back of that? Like, you, you, give it to Sanchez and he will run himself uh, into the back of a player or he'll play a, a ridiculous pass. I, I, yeah. I just don't think... A, I just think how many top I players think, in Europe I give think, the ball away that I think much? if we had... If he had three more years on his contract and have played like that on Saturday, we'd be saying, give him time. It wasn't his best game, but he'll come good. Because he's still getting on the ball... He's still creating chances. He's still getting in there, and the, and and the, the, it will it will happen for him. That's just what just what I think. I think we're being typical Arsenal fans, which is the guy's going, and we're using him as a scapegoat. But he the, he lost the ball. I think he he was one of the, the he lost the ball the most out of any Premiership player last season. Like, and he's doing it even worse this season because you can see in his face that he doesn't really want to be there, and he knows there's demand for him. Knowing what we know now. And seeing these dreadful performances week in, week out, we're not getting anything off the back of it. Like, is it time for Wenger to just cut his losses, move him on and think about like the, the, the next big name that he can bring him? Definitely. I think the best thing that could happen would be for us to keep Ozil, sign him up on a new contract, get rid of Sanchez and get someone in to replace him in the January window. I mean, Lamar hasn't been tearing up trees for Monaco. Maybe we could get him on a... On a Slightly reduced rate. I don't know, or or just look, or wait for the scouts to our new scout to uh, get someone uh, make some make something but happen. It, for next isn't summer. that isn't that the big difference uh, that that you're seeing? Like Sanchez had PSG in for him in the summer. Manchester City have been sniffing around him and making like uh, very public overtures through uh, links in the press, um, but no, no one wanted Jack and no one wanted Özil and those two have to play for either interest from other clubs or interest from Arsenal to sign up. But these guys, like everyone, we all act like footballers are like these sort of integrity, they're full of integrity and they always do the right thing. Professional footballers are a bunch of assholes. I mean, you know, there's nothing they like better than going to Mayfair, uh, you know, getting a load of bottle service and acting like a wanker. That's just what they do. And for us to expect anything else, it's like, if you're going for a promotion, guess what? You work harder. If you're looking for another job and you don't like your boss, you know, you're making excuses and you're saying you've got to go to the dentist and you're fucking around. And it's no different <laughs> than professional footballers. And it's just that's exactly what they're doing. And I don't know why we put them on this pedestal and expect that they're in any way different. You know, they need a new, guess what? They need a new job. Oh, well, they've, they've updated their CV. They've been on LinkedIn. You know, it's the same old stuff. So um, Matt's rushing out because he's got a meeting to go. Just want to say a big thank you to Matt. Thanks, guys. A big thank you to Alfred. Thank you so much, Pete. See you next week. Ciao for now.
Peacock streaming the biggest sporting events, exclusive originals, and the latest movies. This February, we've got Super Bowl 56, the 2022 Winter Olympics, and the Peacock Original Bel Air. Plus the new movie, Marry Me, in theaters and streaming Valentine's Day. Sign up now at PeacockTV.com. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hello, I'm Greg Jenner, I'm the host of You're Dead to Me, and we are back for Series 5. Yes, it's the comedy show that takes history seriously. And on this series, get ready to hear about Frederick the Great of Prussia, with Stephen Fry, no less. I'm just thrilled at this history lesson. Or learn a fair old amount, that's a pharaoh joke, about ancient Egyptian queen Hatshepsut with Kima Bob. What a vibe. And take a stitch in time as we discuss the Bayer Tapestry with Lou Sanders. Oh, I'm a gog. Plus we have many other lovely historical subjects where we're joined by top historians. That's You're Dead to Me, with new episodes every Friday. Johnny good, isn't it? Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com Sports Social Podcast Network.